0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to Episode 221 of the podcast for April 8th, 2015. My guest today is Jacob Stoller. He's the author of a book that was just released. It's titled The Lean CEO, Leading the Way to World-Class Excellence. And the book is available now through Amazon. It was supposed to be released on Friday, but it's actually available and shipping early. It's shipping now. Um, As Jacob explains here in the podcast, he's a journalist, not a lean practitioner, and he interviewed many CEOs across different industries to get their thoughts on lean management, which are captured and summarized um, really well in a really engaging way uh, in his book. I I was fortunate to be able to read a preview um, copy of it. In the podcast here, we're gonna discuss topics including um, how CEOs get exposed to lean thinking and why more CEOs don't embrace lean, why humility is so important among other um, kind of uh, beliefs and uh, principles that uh, are consistent among lean CEOs. What does respect for people mean in this lean context? Did Six Sigma and Dr. W. Edwards Deming come up in his interviews? And you're also going to hear a bit about Bob Brody, the CEO at Franciscan St. Francis Health, which was, uh, of course, featured prominently in the Healthcare Kaizen books that Joe Schwartz and I did. And as a a quick aside about that, if you'd like to learn more about visiting Franciscan, uh, a special uh, workshop Joe and I are putting together April 22nd and 23rd, Uh, please visit the post for this episode, leanblog.org slash 221. And you'll see a link about how to learn more about that. You'll see a link to Jacob's bio and blog and um, other great resources uh, related to this book. So again, I want to thank you uh, for listening. If you'd like to uh, subscribe to the podcast, go to leancast.org for more information. Well, again, our guest today is Jacob Stoller. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here, Mark. Well, I'm excited about you know, the upcoming book, The Lean CEO. I was wondering if you could tell the listeners about um, your own background uh, personally and professionally and also kind of talk about what led to you writing this book.
1: Okay, sure, Mark. Um, well, I'm uh, unlike a lot of uh, people that I think you talk to i'm i am not a uh, lean practitioner i'm a um i like to think of myself as a journal journalist uh, and facilitator mm-hmm. and uh most of my work has been around uh connecting experts with outsiders so uh, i've worked a lot with it uh i've worked with accounting engineering and 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 more recently in the last few years been doing a lot of work uh with lean so uh my interest really in the lean ceo is it's kind of twofold um you know, I know that, uh, CEO involvement is a big part of the conversation in the lean community. And I know there's a lot of questions and anxieties about that, but I'm also interested in the CEO as a sort of in that communicator role, because when you think about it, you know, the CEO is kind of the end of the line. That's the person that's going to have to explain lean to shareholders and, and, uh, perhaps, uh, unions and, and, um, other, you know, groups, uh, In other words, if you do go lean all the way uh, uh, at an enterprise level, Mm -hmm. there's going to have to be somebody that really (laughs) does have to communicate that very, very well. So I was interested in in CEOs and in that particular role and and maybe having CEOs as spokespeople who could maybe explain lean in a a kind of a generic way that, that people outside the lean community could understand.
0: When, when you talk to different CEOs, I'm curious, was there a fairly consistent way that they would define lean? Or did did you find variation uh, in, in that?
1: Uh, you know, it's interesting, I found a lot of variation. Um, I think uh, people define lean uh, in the way they come to it, you know, I mean, people came to lean uh, with different problems. Uh, and uh, I think they were comfortable uh, taking lean in a particular direction that, that suited uh, their company. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got lots of different kinds of ideas about uh, how lean is defined. Uh, that said, I think there's some pretty strong beliefs that uh, they shared uh, and, and which which brought them to lean. Uh, you know, I think the uh, respect for people uh, is, is certainly very, very universal. You know, I think in general, these people believe that if you uh, trust employees and and if you really believe in them, they're going to come through.
0: well, and and that's encouraging to hear that the, the you know the notions of, of of culture and respect for people um, came to the forefront because, yeah, I, I might expect a CEO to think about and talk about things like um, cash flow and inventory turns and some of just the you know the the hard measures. Um, but it sounds like, and, and I'm curious to hear maybe is, is, is if you can expand on, uh, on some of that, what, what the CEOs um, thought about lean culture. Who who were some of the CEOs that, that you talked to and, and from what types of industries?
1: Okay, gosh. Well, you know, as uh, there were several in healthcare, and I know you know some of these very well and have written about them uh, as well, but uh, you know, when you talk about John Toussaint or uh, Gary Kaplan mm-hmm. or Bob Brody, I mean, uh, they have um, <clears throat> very specific ideas about culture. Uh, you know, talking about the physician, physician-centric culture that exists in medicine, and and the need to sort of break that down into a more collaborative model. So uh, there's a there's a particular idea, I guess, that's that's, that's very important to them. Uh, but then you go across different industries you know and 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 you get uh early examples uh by somebody like art burn who uh mm-hmm. a lot of faith in people's sort of innate sense out there on the shop floor you know uh, of of what what needs to be done and this incredible trust from day one. go ahead, make a hole in that wall mm-hmm. if you need to you know so uh a lot of variety again um, you know in, in in the types of culture that you needed to create in the organization. Mm-hmm. But it all tends to be quite collaborative and, and very trusting.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe when can come back, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about um, Bob Brody later, because I, I think listeners sure. will, will, will know John Toussaint from ThetaCare, Gary Kaplan from Virginia Mason. Um, Bob Brody is the CEO at uh, Franciscan St. Francis Health System right. in Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. My co-author Joe Schwartz, um, mm-hmm. from, co-author from Healthcare Kaizen. Series um, works there at Franciscan, so I'm really happy that you were able to, to talk to Bob and and share um, some of their story in the book. So maybe we can come back to that um, sure a little bit later. Um, okay. So you know, one thing you you know you write about in the book is how lean, and I, w- I would agree with this, is that lean is a different way of thinking. And you know I'm curious um, if, if you can talk about you know some of the initial exposures to lean you know there's a lot about lean that really contradicts what's taught in business school and i, I say this uh, with, with an M- mba um hanging on, on the wall here but um you know there's there's a lot of um you know <laughs> mba is thinking that uh, or, or, or methods that are taught that run counter to lean um did, did ceos tend to hear about it from other ceos from their boards from customers um, um
1: well i i think first of all uh You know, the, the MBA thinking is, uh, I think there is, and you'll probably agree with me, Mark, but a a kind of a healthy skepticism about what's taught in business school, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I've worked with different groups outside of the lean community, like accounting groups and stuff like that. And sometimes people roll their eyes when they talk about, you know, what's actually taught in school, Mm -hmm have to get out there into the workplace to really understand a lot of this stuff that goes on. Um, So I I think uh, it's not that difficult for people, a lot of these people, to get beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, But having said that, I think it's, you know, the conventional business thinking isn't just what's taught in business school. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, what people call, you know, business common sense or business conventional wisdom, which also... I think, uh, is questioned by lean, mm-hmm. you know, for example, there's yeah. a classic idea, uh, that you can have, um, quality price and delivery. Those are three things that mm-hmm. you can only get two out of those three. Right. right.
0: Sometimes <laughs> only one, but yeah, that's definitely, definitely not, definitely yeah. not all three. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: You know, there's a kind of rule of thumb that you have to sacrifice one of those. Right. I mean, that's people, people love to say things like that, you know, or, uh, you know, you look at some of the examples in the book too. You know, someone like Arians, where um, you know one of the, the most challenging things in in their lean transformation was getting people to get to to make things slowly, right? Yeah. Like he's got a whole technology group in there that that is works on slowing machines down, and that's very very difficult for a lot of people uh, that have been in the shop floor and been working uh, in lean organizations for a long time. So. I would say the conventional thinking is, is, it's not just what's taught in school, but it's, it's also yeah. what people have gotten used to. So, uh, I think the CEOs, uh, though they do have some very strong, you know, there's some, that you know, I think somehow lean speaks to, to a lot of people, you know, it's uh, somehow it was in the back of their minds, uh, you know, however they came to it. Uh, as you know, some of the healthcare people actually went shopping for a different mm-hmm. operating system. Um, uh, you know, in in some cases they picked it up along the way, and then they became CEO and they saw it. Uh, so there've been just different kinds of exposure. But um, I think the the real challenge is not so much the CEO realizing it, but the CEO bringing it to the whole organization. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, you know, again, because of all these things that the CEO has to change. I mean, um, you know, we can we can set up a line to to. To do uh, to create flow, but if you want to build a whole company around lean, I mean, you have to change comp plans, mm-hmm. uh, reporting structures, accounting mechanisms. You know, and that, that's a lot uh, to put on a CEO. Yeah,
0: and and there's more involved than um, you know. And when when you talk about slowing down the the equipment, the idea I'm I'm, I'm guessing, or the stories you heard, we're talking about matching production to the rate of customer demand. That, that's and, right. And not yeah. trying to exactly. overproduce and, and, and do things that kind of you know traditional accounting would, would tell you um, reduces costs and and, and, exactly. and people challenge that but it's also about looking at um, you know the, the the whole enterprise and making sure we're building products or creating services that solve you know real customer needs and understanding those customers and, and interacting with um, you know a wide range of functions and, and customers and suppliers that, that goes well beyond the shop floor right
1: absolutely oh, oh absolutely yeah absolutely and uh yeah of course uh one wonderful place you see this is when you're looking at the startups right Mm -hmm. uh and uh here you have uh what one of the one of the ceos talking about uh well you know you can anyone you can improve any process 10 percent he said uh you know uh and this is the guy uh from a company called e-leather in the uk um and uh you know, his, uh, his name is Chris McBean. Uh, you know, what he said is, yeah, we can improve a process by by 10 percent, uh, any kind of process in the business. But how do we decide whether that process has value or not?
0: <laughs> right. You know, yeah, should you be to, doing it.
1: Yeah. He said if you're in a startup and your process doesn't have any value at the end of the year, you're going to be dead. Yeah. You know, so so he sees lean in, in a very different kind of way, you know, very, very
0: strategic. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking at what
1: we're doing and, and is this going to work?
0: Yeah. So I'm um, I'm curious, you know, as we kind of delve into kind of, you know, personal ways of thinking, you know, leadership, um, you know, starts, you know, I guess with any of us looking in the mirror and, and mm-hmm. what do we believe? How, how do we act? Um, one of the things that, you know, that comes through and stories in, in the book is uh, you know a high degree of humility that mm-hmm. a lot of these CEOs have and you know, a lot of the C- lean CEOs that I've met have that trait. Um, there there's a, one of my favorite books that's sitting here is a book called Toyota by Toyota, which is written by a number of leaders and associates, team members at yeah. the Toyota Georgetown plant. And the first chapter is about nothing but humility, leading with <laughs> humility. And I'm curious, you know, kind of what, what some of your observations or reflections were um, about that humility and, and sure. those leaders and what that translated to.
1: Sure. OK, well, I've not read uh, Toyota by Toyota, so I'd, I would love to read it. It sounds like like a great book um, on, on humility. I, I think um, we have to be careful how we define that. And, uh, you know, because I think there's a tendency uh, out there to talk about leaders in terms of their personalities. And uh, I think uh, the kind of humility I saw is really more about beliefs. Um, that they have and and i think there's a very essential thing and this is uh certainly we, you know you see this with deming this idea that we don't know what we don't know mm-hmm. and and the kind of a scientific uh, intellectual humility perhaps you know, where you go out on the floor and like tai chi ono you say well there's a 50 percent chance that what my hunch about the way this thing is what's going on here is wrong so i i think there's a kind of humility there um I, I, willingness to learn, willing to willingness to listen. I, I think definitely uh I, I I saw that in the CEOs. In terms of style of personalities, well, I, I don't know. Uh you know, I think they're they're very, very different, you know, if you analyze uh whether these CEOs are ask assertive or tell tell assertive or whether they're sort of people types or or more concept types. I mean, I think if you look at the book, you'll see they're they're in every quadrant. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different kinds of people, but mm-hmm. I think these fundamental beliefs uh, maybe define the kind of humility that I think really uh, is relevant.
0: Yeah. And I, it's funny that you mentioned about um, learning and listening. I, I've got um, a copy <laughs> of the Industrial Engineer magazine that comes from the Institute of Industrial Engineers from a few years back. And I don't keep okay. every issue, but I kept this one because, you know, on the spine of the magazine, they tend to have these little, you know, phrases that summarize what, you know, what what's in that issue and what's the key story and it just says on on the spine it says CEO learns, comma, listens. And like that was apparently very newsworthy. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it, it you know, that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. And obviously, you know, there are a lot of really good CEOs who, who do sure. learn and realize if we're going to create a learning organization, that that learning and that curiosity starts with them, right?
1: Yeah. And, and that's interesting. That's an interesting, uh, when you see a, a piece like that, you know, because I think, uh, sometimes expectations of CEOs are pretty low, you know. I mean, we celebrate the fact that some CEO is a a great, has wonderful integrity because they don't uh, play factions against Mm. each other and and they don't have self-serving comp plans and stuff like that. But it seems to me a lot of those things are table stakes. I mean, you know, yeah, you yeah. leader, you've got to be a decent, straightforward person. And and I would certainly mm-hmm. say that the, the every one of the ones, the, the yeah. CEOs of the book, would, would pass that test. I mean, I think they're basic, decent people uh, who don't lie and cheat.
0: Now, when when we talk about foundations like that, um, you know, integrity, integrity, um, humility, having respect for people. I mean, maybe I'm being a cynic, but I'd, I'd be surprised if anybody ever gets more humble through, <laughs> through their career that maybe, it, is it just that some people have managed to, uh, maybe they just have a strength of, uh, strength of character that things don't go to their head or as they rise through the ranks and, and you know, a lot of times you know, CEOs have been you know, promoted and, and rewarded and it's been reinforced over 20, 25, 30 years of their career how great they are um but you know so uh, i guess the question is how, how much of this is just um innate and it hasn't been chipped away at versus people or, or ceos who had stories about how you know did, did they have an epiphany and and realize that they needed to to change their stripes and in, in some way
1: i think you'll see some epiphany definitely some epiphanies in the book uh, you know, I mean, I think uh certainly someone like uh, Robert Chapman is very quite dramatic <laughs> you know he, he was really quite troubled by the kind of workplace that that he saw and the uh in the companies that he had and then the companies that that uh he was taking over uh you know was quite troubled by it so so that I think he probably changed um quite a bit as a result of that
0: um and what company or industry? Was oh, that?
1: that's, that's, uh, Barry Waymiller. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course he built a whole, uh, operating system, if you will, around, around, uh, the people centric leadership and, uh,
0: yeah. You know, I, yeah. And, and, you know, me and, you know, John, I, I don't know him, but you know, I know, um, you know, John Toussaint really well. And, and John always sure. tells stories very openly, he does um, about how he it's not like he was always magically this quote unquote lean leader that he um, had people challenge him and that that he um, tried to learn some new habits and shift some of his own behaviors um, be, between, you know, executive behavior. He he often labels it, you know, white coat behavior, but, you know, he's quick to point out it it's not just physician leaders who have. These these either you know kind of autocratic or blaming or impatient tendencies. It's non non clinical executives uh, in healthcare as well. So I think John, I, I guess you know maybe that's an example of humility that he's willing to share those examples of uh, not not knowing everything of not being perfect, right?
1: Sure, and and I think he points out in the book, uh, uh, and I'm sure in your your books as well that he he did run with uh, lean ideas for several years before he really realized that there had to be a fundamental shift in the way they managed the company. So, uh, managed, you know, that the healthcare organization. So I think there was a kind of an epiphany of having to dig deeper, um, uh, at a certain point in his journey.
0: Yeah. Now in your interviews with, um, uh, the CEOs, I'm, I'm curious if Dr. Deming came up in the discussion with, with any of these leaders, if they had learned from him directly or through his books, or did they find, you know, his philosophy and approach to be helpful or, or complimentary to Lean? Interesting.
1: Um, you know, I'd say for the most part, no. Um, now Bob Brody is a big exception, mm-hmm. uh, cause I think he was part of, uh, some of these Deming, uh, discussion groups that were going on in the nineties. Uh, and also there were some government people, um, I talked to that did not get in the book that also had sort of Lean or sort of not lean, but uh, you know Deming type discussions. Uh, I didn't, you know, I I generally, uh, you know, let people bring things up, um, and some people, you know, that was not one of the things that really uh, rose to the surface. Mm-hmm. About, now, oh, but I, okay. but that said, I think when you look at the ideas of Deming, um, you know, they certainly are are very very present. Uh, you know, things like drive out fear,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, certainly the constancy of purpose uh is absolutely essential, I right. think, for these CEOs. They just have to have that.
0: I'm curious, uh you know, the, the book is called the uh the, the lean CEO. I'm curious um if if Six Sigma came up in the discussion um with, with some of these organizations. Are are they combining methodologies or I'm I'm curious if that came up at all?
1: It didn't come up and, and you know I I was uh a little bit surprised i was expecting people to bring it up more often but um again i didn't go digging for six sigma i didn't sure. i didn't ask the ceos did you do this did you do that mm-hmm. i i tried to more open approach to interviewing and trying to get them to to share sort of mm-hmm. the most important parts of their journey and how things looked uh from their perspective so i didn't prompt them on that but yeah. uh and so no it wasn't it uh, wasn't really brought up
0: okay um So, I mean, you spent a lot of time talking to CEOs who, in a broad sense, get it, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm curious what their thoughts were, or if you had any conclusions about CEOs that um, are still not even aware of lean or, or not trying to become a lean culture or a lean organization. Do they have any thoughts about what what some of the barriers are or what's getting in the way of maybe kind of broader adoption amongst CEOs?
1: You know, to be honest, Mark, I know I know a lot of people in the lean community are scratching their heads over that one, and <laughs> the lean CEOs are were, were sort of the same. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, I did ask, you know, in a lot of cases, what's you know, why do you think more people don't do this? And and they didn't they, they would, the answer would be I'm not sure or I don't know. Um, ignorance was cited as one sort of thing. I'd say mm-hmm. maybe a lot of people just don't know about it or don't understand it yet. Um, but I think also, you know, there are many cases that there are uh, people talk about having tours where CEOs come to see the plant, and they get all excited about Lean, and then nothing happens. Mm. So, you know, two examples of this. Uh, one is Steve Brenneman, uh, aluminum trailer, and the other is Carl Luddenston. And, and, mm-hmm. and both of these folks are, do a lot of uh, inter- interacting with people outside the Lean community, bringing new CEOs into their plants. And uh, yet they they find that the, the resistance and the time it takes from I get it to actually doing something is is uh, pretty enormous.
0: Yeah. And and, and li- I was just going to interject real quick. Listeners um, of, of the podcast might know of um, uh, Carl from Vibeco in Rhode Island. I've, I've had Carl on the show a couple of times before. And, uh, you know, he's certainly he's great about trying to get out within the broader business community and engaging other leaders, and, and not just you know, kind of talking within lean navel gazing circles. <laughs> he's out there bringing exactly. a lot more people into this fold. Right.
1: He's he's very good at that. Yeah, and he works with the Young Presidents Association, um, mm-hmm. you know, and is uh, constantly advocating for lean um, within that group. Um, but I th- I think where the, where this leads us is you know when we talk about the resistance uh, and the difficulty of implementing lean with CEOs, is is that uh even even some of the most uh sort of strongest lean CEOs uh in the book admitted that they wouldn't have done it if there wasn't some kind of burning platform you know so you take for example uh something like uh Herman Miller you know i i mean uh Brian Walker is really the you know he's the ultimate lean CEO in a lot of ways you know he's really very hands on out there um, you know had all the respect for people and everything uh you know he's a real lean thinker, and yet uh he says that they they uh it took the downturn around the millennium um to really get them to uh to go enterprise with lean and this is after already being recognized by Toyota as one of the sort of model model sites for uh uh you know outside of the automotive industry so uh, you know, for even for him to to say, you know, if if it hadn't been for this financial crisis, uh, we never would have reset people's thinking the way we mm. we did. So you know, that's not <laughs> not encouraging, Mark. I know, but uh, I think you see a number of burning platforms in the book, uh, you know, various degrees, and um, that seems to have, have been fairly universal.
0: How how many of those burning platforms were related to, um, you know, two thousand nine, twenty ten? financial crisis as opposed to longer lean journeys, did you find?
1: Well, I think you had those, uh, actually those now those those crises often happened in mid journey, you know, the where mm. the journey was sort of uh, progressing, uh, sort of slowly, but not really happening. And then and then the crisis actually uh, made it go to the next level where they really went enterprise. But, uh, you know, there was about a half a dozen of them or so, I guess, were said they were spurred on by financial crisis. Uh, there were other things. I think in the case of Herman Miller, it, well, it was partly the financial crisis, but they were concerned about growth and having a conservative growth strategy as well. You know, because given all the uncertainty, they didn't want to go building uh, any more factories. So that was sort of behind that. Um, I think startups. There's there's some pressures there, and there's a, a chapter on that. Uh, action learning organizations, which is, uh, you know, where I think startups fit in very nicely. Uh, there's there's some very interesting ones. You know, for example, uh, there's a company called PLZ uh, Aeroscience uh, and the CEO is a gentleman named Ed Bazinski, and he was hired as CEO to solve a problem where they had silos. You know, they had two mm-hmm. divisions of the company that really weren't talking to each other and they weren't working together. so the company really wasn't able to grow so that was his burning platform he came in and he he used lean by the way Mm -hmm. to to solve this problem of two silos and two groups and then he proceeded to 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 take the company down the lean journey the rest of the way not what you would expect
0: yeah yeah and and maybe along the lines of um you said not not what you expect i was going to ask you um was there anything in your research that was was really surprising um, as opposed to any thoughts that you had going in about what you might uncover or the types of stories or, or lessons? Was there anything that really jumped out as something unexpected?
1: Um, I was, you know, I was amazed at the range of problems that that people could take on with lean. I was amazed that they talked about it in slightly different terms. <clears throat> A lot of them don't even like to use the term lean. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh So I saw that diversity and then but at the same time, um, once things get going, uh, the convergence, you know, I mean, these companies, as they went through lean started to look more and more alike, you know, and I, I just found that fascinating. You know, given given the diversity and the, given the different places where these people were coming from,
0: that that there were consistent principles and consistent things. Yeah, consistent. But, yeah. But somehow they 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 became
1: more holistic uh, in the way they approached lean as they progressed, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like there's a kind of a uh, internal DNA with lean that sort of takes over. You know, and and it um, you know I found that really fascinating.
0: Yeah. Now, um, I mean, I th- I'm sure one thing that would really drive CEOs to pay attention is 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 results, even if uh, you know, hopefully culture and, and, and leadership is important. But, you know, if we look um, back over time, wire mold, of course, was was a great financial success story. I mean, they, they were, you know, acquired and, and people may have heard on a past uh, podcast, Bob Emiliani talk about how that a lot of that kind of you know, fell apart after uh, Artburn and company Yes, um, we're, we're gone. But, you know, Toyota, if you look at comparisons in the automotive industry, Toyota clearly has had incredible long term uh, success and, and shareholder value for, for CEOs who um, you know are, are, are typically focused on shareholder value. But, you know, as, as Toyota and I think lean thinking um, emphasizes, the focus is on the long term as opposed <clears throat> to making a quick buck or slashing costs or anything um, in, in the short term. So I, I guess the question that I'm kind of meandering into Sure. Here no, are, fair. You know, the the question is about results. Um, mm-hmm. how how did the, the CEOs articulate, you know, the value that they're creating for uh, for for the companies, for the shareholders, for their customers? What were you know some of the you know hopefully win 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 type scenarios or, or data that, that's hopefully there in the book to say that that lean is not just a nice thing to do, that it's a great business strategy.
1: Well, here's, I guess, Mark, here's where we saw a bit of humility, I guess, in the, mm-hmm. the classic sense, because, cause, I mean, the results, I mean, let's face it, you read the book, the, the results are spectacular. I mean, these companies are all doing really, really well. But, you know, it's almost, oh, and by the way, we, we multiply our revenues by 500%, you know. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it it tends to be, the results tend to be part of something much bigger. Which is uh, one of the exciting things. But yeah, they, they did extremely well. Um, they, uh, you know, the, I guess when you talk about results, you talk about the fiduciary responsibilities that they have. And um, uh, yes, they, they were able to maintain those, and, and it wasn't a big problem.
0: And maybe um, kind of final direction here before we, we wrap up in a few minutes. I, I did want sure. to kind of bring the conversation back. Uh, to healthcare a little bit and, uh, sure. and Bob Brody and their story at Franciscan St. Francis, where, you know, I've been really impressed that I, I think they do have uh, a very rare culture of continuous improvement there. And, um, you know, Bob has been a big part of that. I'm, I'm curious to hear some of your reflections or any, any stories about, um, what you, what you talked to, uh, to Bob about.
1: Okay. Well, I think Bob was, was, uh, somewhat of a contrast to, uh, to both John, uh, and uh and gary, and gary. Yeah. uh the contrast really was uh that he uh didn't i, I want to say this in the right way, but uh he didn't push it as hard i think he he was more of a a, a kind of enabling it um letting it evolve mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he worked obviously you know very, very you know, I guess very closely with Joe um on that. Um but um, Joe Schwartz who I know is your your, uh, your co author. Um, so I, I guess I saw him more as and well in his own words I think he is more of a uh like I say a, a much more conciliatory in letting things happen. Uh however uh he said towards the end of the interview, uh, I may not be able to be as as patient as I've been uh, because things are getting tough in mm-hmm. terms of the, um, the financial pressures.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the way they framed what they've been doing there, it's it's different than, you know, I think Theta Care and Virginia Mason, it was, you know, fairly aggressive, lean, lean, lean mm-hmm. driven approach mm-hmm. where my, my impression of an, a, a Franciscan is that there's been... Uh, you know, huge focus on staff engagement and and Kaizen, and they do some you know uh, rapid improvement events, and they train people in in Lean Six Sigma. But um, yeah, it's been a little bit different path. Also, I think what he said, what what Bob said,
1: is that uh, they had been you know practicing sort of Deming thinking for a long time, long before sort of the even before the, the term Lean. So he felt that they they had a long history. I don't know how to compare the the histories in that respect. Maybe you could sh- shine some light on that. But it sounded to yeah. me like maybe there was a slightly longer history of uh, establishing some of those.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think it was a slightly more evolutionary approach, and it's continuing to, to evolve. And like you said, as as they face different pressures and challenges, um, as all you know organizations do, you know, I, I trust they'll they'll continue to uh, to evolve and tweak their their approach. Um, you know, I think in general in healthcare care, um, there there was you know uh, a lot of exposure that people had to uh, total quality management, and I think a lot of it just completely faded away. Um, mm-hmm. where where you know, when I was in Japan back in November, the hospitals there don't mm-hmm. really they they talk about lean a little bit and the CEOs there that I met in Japanese hospitals are very engaged and they're driving quality and they're driving staff engagement but they never stopped doing TQM so they say well mm-hmm. we we've been doing uh, TQM and quality projects for 20 or 25 years but now we're we're traveling to Seattle and we're learning more specifically in methods and we're doing more rapid cycle improvement instead of these kind of mm-hmm. you know le- relatively leisurely 6 month long projects and um, you know, that, that's just a different approach than um, than uh, than some of the hospitals in, here in the U.S. have taken. So right. Lots of uh, always lots of learning back and forth. So,
1: yeah, yeah. well, lean is so, uh, uh, I guess, accommodating to different approaches.
0: And, and I think as, as, as you found in the book, accommodating, accommodating to different personalities, that, that mm-hmm, lean mm-hmm. is not some sort of cult of personality where oh, we, we must act like Taiichi Ono did, or we must act mm-hmm. like, as, as mm-hmm. people tend to do in business, I want to be just like Jack Welch, or I want to be mm-hmm. just like Steve Jobs, that, mm-hmm. that there's room for people to, um, I guess, like you said, within certain, within certain boundaries and certain frameworks for people yeah. to adapt, uh, adopt and adapt lean within their own style of CEO leadership, right? Right. Um, so, so Jacob, I, you know, I want to thank you for, um, for one, letting me take an early uh, peek at the book. And um, I, I know a lot of people out there will be, will be excited to find it. Can you talk uh, a little bit about where people can find you online, book website, release date, uh, just details like that about the book?
1: Well, it, it's, uh, the website is I guess a good hub for that because it's got the, the, you know, you can click to Amazon based on that, but uh, it's uh, jacobstoller.com. That's my name, J-A-C-O-B-S-T-O-L-L-E-R. So I'll be, uh, you know, doing some publicity around that, which is going to start to ramp up uh, leading up to uh, the big day on
0: April 10th. April 10th and, and coming from McGraw Hill. so McGraw Hill, that's it'll be, right. it'll be very widely available is the good news, right? Well, I certainly hope we so. Hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, going through a big publisher like McGraw Hill. Um, and any any final thoughts that you would want to share with, with listeners about the book or, or anything else related to what you learned?
1: Well, I, I I just want to say it's been a wonderful experience writing it, and I, I've learned an enormous amount, uh, and from people like you along the way, Mark. I, I you know I think this lean community is really a wonderful uh, group. Uh, to work with, and uh, I, I hope you guys uh, keep it up. I mean, keep doing the the work you're doing. It's uh, it's important work. I think uh, it's a lot riding on it in terms of the economy and people's lives and the quality of healthcare
0: and uh, et cetera. Well, well, thank you for that, um, you know, re- reflection, and um, you know, I'm glad you got to do the project. And again, congratulations on. The launch of the book. So again, uh, our guest today has been Jacob Stoller. Uh, The the book is The Lean CEO. Hope you'll check it out, and maybe we can talk again some other time. Jacob.
1: Thank you, Mark. I hope so, too. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog
0: Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.